I'm Cassidy Hayes with Hayes Farms, HF Genetics, and Double H Cattle in Port Lavaca, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Kerry Martin. Hello Texas, Christmas time is here, but you sure couldn't tell it by the temperature outside. Jump on in with me, buckle up, we'll roll down the windows as we take a ride around the Lone Star State to cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, we're assessing the damage to the Panhandle wheat crop after that big windstorm last week. We'll head up to the Northeast Panhandle to check in with a county agent there to see how things look in his county following that big storm. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Transpecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. As we often talk about, water supply is a major issue for Texas High Plains agriculture. Coming up on Texas Ag Today... We'll hear from one local producer who's trying to confront that water challenge by making some significant changes to his operation. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story. A multitude of programs are available for the thousands of Texas FFA students. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and we'll talk about those programs on today's Texas Ag Today. The dry weather trend continues for Central Texas. This is Dr. Shane McClellan, and I'll have more from Waco. We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Last week's windstorm in the Texas Panhandle did major damage to the wheat crop there. Scott Strawn is the county agent for Ockletree County up in the northeast Panhandle. He says the wind picked up the soil and shredded the wheat plants. Down at low levels where that wheat is, you get a term called saltation, which is soil particles bumping into each other, and then they start skimming across the ground. It's almost microscopic, but it's real abrasive to that wheat. So it can kill the wheat just by cutting those leaf blades off. Strawn says there may be a chance that some of the wheat survives, but with the current dry conditions, it's hard to be optimistic. I haven't seen wheat just dead yet, driving around looking at fields, and we'll know more when it actually starts growing or trying to grow late February, early March. And again, the moisture situation is probably the most dire or important, especially at that time. When it starts growing, that moisture needs to be there. Strong says many farmers may opt to take an insurance payment on the loss, then try to get a spring crop in on that ground. A Texan achieved one of the best sorghum yields in the nation this year. With a yield of 241 bushels an acre, a Texas farmer earned one of the top distinctions in the National Sorghum Producers Annual Yield Contest. Tom Vogel of Hartley County is this year's first place national winner in the Irrigated West category. He earned the distinction with the Pioneer variety. This year's Ben Buster winner for grain sorghum yields was Casey Gamble of Kansas with 244 bushels an acre. 
NSP notes that that is the highest dry land yield on record in contest history west of the Mississippi River. Other top winners are David Knoll of South Dakota in the dry land tillage west category, Harry Johnson of Pennsylvania in the dry land tillage east category, and Chris Santini of New Jersey in the dry land no-till east category. The national winners will be recognized at the 2022 Commodity Classic in March in New Orleans. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. The number of sheep producers in Texas is on the increase. Susan Schultz is president of the American Sheep Industry Association, and she says there are big opportunities available for sheep producers. The opportunities out there, um, Texas has increased numbers, sheep numbers. Um, hair sheep have just, you know, every lots of people are raising hair sheep, and which is wonderful. They're, they're, they're um, looking at that ethnic market, which is just keeping those prices nice and high, and life is good. Schultz says there are about 100,000 sheep producers in the country, but they're only supplying 50% of domestic demand. Water supply is a major issue for Texas High Plains agriculture. James Hunt visits with one farmer who's trying to tackle that issue on his farm. As we all know, water is a big challenge for Texas High Plains agriculture. Whether we are talking about the long-term viability of the Ogallala Aquifer in general, or just the farm-by-farm nightmare of declining well capacity being experienced in many areas. Well, I had an interesting conversation recently with Chris Grodegut, whose family maintains a farming and ranching operation northeast of Hereford, among other things, raising cattle and sheep and winter wheat. Grotegut tells me that in recent years, well levels on their farm have actually risen, and it doesn't appear that this is happening all on its own. Over the past 11 years, Grotegut and his family have engaged in a concerted effort to promote recharge of the aquifer, including taking much of their land back into native grasses and cutting back on groundwater pumping. We did not quit irrigating. We just cut back the acres that we irrigate, and we tried to do it on a mathematical model of where it appeared that the recharge rate might be. And as for that mathematical model? We want 90% of the water that hits our land to stay on the land on the spot it falls and have the bit that runs off to be about 10% of that water, then go to the Playa Lakes. Playas are, of course, those shallow wetlands that are often dry but can fill up considerably after a good rain. It's widely believed that as that collected rainfall moves down from the playas through the soil, that water can contribute to aquifer recharge. Grotegut says, depending on what happens year-to-year precipitation-wise, well levels on his operation have been either holding stable or increasing by a foot or more. More from Chris Grotegut in our next report. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Many programs are available for FFA students. Tom Nicoletti checks in with the new executive director of the Texas FFA. There are numerous opportunities awaiting the nearly 155,000 Texas FFA members, making up approximately 1,200 chapters across the state. Jennifer Jackson is with me again. She is the executive director of the Texas FFA. Jennifer, what's driving growth with FFA membership and involvement? What drives the growth is the opportunities that we provide for our students. There are several meaningful opportunities provided to our students through our stakeholders, our board members, and our teachers are just doing a phenomenal job of really encouraging students to get involved in those leadership experiences. Students really appreciate that competitive side of the FFA. They get to participate in leadership development events, career development events, speaking development events, science fair, and so they learn about agriculture through all of these competitive events. Now, how 
support of the numerous programs helps students find a passion in agriculture, a future career, and, and the direction that they're going to go in as they move forward. Students can get involved as young as third grade. Most of our students actually get involved their freshman year of high school, and they start really getting information, what FFA is and the opportunities available to them. At that point, teachers introduce them to the history of agriculture, the history of FFA, and opportunities available to them. What we're also doing is advocating for agriculture in addition to all of those opportunities around FFA. Ultimately, students, even if they're not motivated to major in agriculture after high school, they realize the benefits of being involved in FFA, those leadership benefits. They learn public speaking skills. There's just so many opportunities for students to develop qualities that that will benefit them, even if they don't pursue a career in the agricultural field. We will have concluding comments from Texas FFA's Jennifer Jackson on our next program. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The dry weather trend continues for the central Texas Blacklands. Dr. Shane McClellan has an update from Waco. In central Texas, we have received some moisture, which is better than no moisture. However, these small uh, rainfall moisture type events, the one-tenth, two-tenth drizzle events, do not uh, do much to replenish our deep soil moisture. And we really need that to offer plants uh, moisture to grow and do well. As compared to our 30-year annual rainfall amount we've received, we're kind of holding steady at about negative two inches for the last 180 days. When you look back at the last year, 365 days, some parts of our area are really right at that negative two inches, and then some other areas are slightly above. So really for the year, we're right at where we typically are for most of the county and some areas of McLennan County are a little bit below the normal rainfall. The biggest concern is the consecutive months without a large rainfall event. In the last 60 days, McLennan County is well under 10 inches for the last 60 days. Uh, we do need a rain in the short term to help our crops that are in the field right now. We note that we're planted in our area for grazing is off to a, a fairly good start as it took advantage of our early season moisture that was, that was back in September. Stockers have been turned out on oats and wheat in our area. Most of our livestock pastures have a tin of green to them, and that's ryegrass that emerged in September, and it's still hanging on. But we really need a good, slow soaking rain to boost growth of those cool season annuals that are out in the pastures to offer livestock very much grazing. All livestock have started to hit hay this past week. That's not uncommon for mid-December. The warm season forages that have been set back by the frost uh, they have some limited grazing available there, but uh, the hay consumption from livestock has really increased this past week. We are still unseasonably warm and dry for this time of year. As I mentioned, we did have a, a very hard frost this past week, and it was obvious if you look out across the landscape plants or even pastures, the, the warm season plants and crops have, have been burnt back. Frost bit the leaves of all of these plants and uh, burned them back substantially. This is Dr. Shane McClellan reporting from Central Texas for Texas Ag Today. Texas landowners can give back to the Texas Youth Hunting Program this holiday season. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll explain how coming up on Texas Ag today. And a lot of cooking is done here at the holidays, so you want to be careful that pets don't eat something they shouldn't. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. In Texas, there's pea-sized hail and baseball-sized hail. Guess which one hit our house? We didn't even know where to begin, but we called our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent, and he was so reassuring. He knew exactly what to do to get our house back into shape and our lives back to normal. Now... 
We're even more thankful for the roof over our heads. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to insure your home for Texas-sized weather. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Well, if your house is like mine, there's a lot of cooking going on this weekend for Christmas. But Dr. Bob Judd says we need to be careful that pets don't eat something they shouldn't. When you think about the holidays and toxic foods, you always think about chocolate. And although it is toxic to dogs, there are lots of other ingredients in foods that are also toxic. Onions and garlic are very common in holiday casseroles and can be toxic to pets. The American Society for Prevention of Cruelty to Animals Poison Control Center indicates these foods belong to the alum family and can damage the red blood cells in dogs and cats, leading to anemia. Cats are about twice as sensitive as dogs, so if a pet is observed ingesting any of these ingredients, call your veterinarian immediately. If a large amount of these foods are ingested, inducing emesis may be necessary, and giving the pet activated charcoal may tie up the toxin and decrease absorption. Some pets will require intravenous fluids and a blood transfusion to survive. Lots of folks want to feed their dogs bones, and cooked bones should never be fed to a dog as they can splinter. However, any bone you feed a pet can cause a problem, so it's really not worth the chance of possible surgery to give your dog a bone. If the pet accidentally ingests a bone, your vet can monitor the bone's progress through the intestine with x-rays to make sure it does not cause an obstruction. Bouillon cubes are also dangerous for pets as they are high in sodium and can lead to increased sodium levels and can cause gastric upset, increased water consumption, wobbling when walking, tremors, and even seizures. Lastly, baked goods are usually high in fat and if ingested by a pet can lead to pancreatitis, which causes gastrointestinal symptoms and abdominal pain. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Texas landowners can give back to the Texas Youth Hunting Program this holiday season. Jessica Domel tells how in today's Wildlife Report. If you are looking for a way to give back this holiday season, there's still time. Chris Mitchell, director of the Texas Youth Hunting Program, says you can sign up to be a volunteer or a huntmaster for the Texas Youth Hunting Program online. Landowners can also sign up to allow a guided youth hunt on their property. To contact any one of us and we then arrange a meeting with the landowner to explain TYHP completely, see their property, find out what facilities, if any, that they have and that they will let us use. We don't need them, but obviously it makes it easier to run a hunt if there is at least some facilities available. And then we set them up with the agreement that they need in order to run a hunt so that we can provide them the liability insurance that we provide all of our landowners. We have a great safety record because of our volunteers and and the training that they get, but the fact that we provide liability insurance to our landowners is a great selling point for the program. Mitchell said there's a need in East Texas. We're looking at ways that we can increase the number of landowners in the East Texas area that would be willing to host a TYHP hunt. He said if landowners are concerned that there's not many deer in the area, TYHP hosts hunts for other animals as well. Each year, the Texas Youth Hunting Program takes young, inexperienced hunters on their first, or one of their first, hunts with a guardian. The hunts include mentors, lodging, and meals. You can sign up as a volunteer or a landowner on the TYHP website. That is tyhp.org. tyhp.org. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. 
Our agricultural markets have been fairly quiet this week heading into Christmas, but we did see a higher market for just about everything on Thursday. We'll take a look back at all of Thursday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. It's been a tough year. As a farmer or rancher, you know life in agriculture is often stressful. Things like the economy, finances, weather, and even a pandemic increase our stress levels and can leave us feeling defeated. With a demanding workload, it seems that there isn't room for the soft stuff, like talking about feelings. Yet, talking about the hard times can be one of the best ways to manage this stress. Although we can't always control or choose our circumstances, we can control and choose how we respond to them. Sometimes that response looks like asking for help. Some would say the best quality of a farmer or rancher is their independent spirit. But what is agriculture without its community? A force of helpers, neighbors, extension, Farm Bureau members, friends, counselors, and pastors. We are stronger together. Find someone you can talk to. Find the help you need. The Southwest Ag Center is working with the Texas Department of Agriculture to identify stress assistance and resources. Visit swagcenter.org stress to learn more. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. We have wrapped up our agricultural trade for the week. All of our markets will be closed on Friday for Christmas Eve, heading into the Christmas holiday. So Thursday was our last trading day for the week, and it was a good one for the cattle market. We ended up strongly higher in both live and feeder cattle futures. December live cattle up $1.30. Wrapping up the week at 137.05, February up 225, 139.42, April live cattle up $1.80 at 143.92, January feeder cattle up $1.67, 163.45, March feeders up $1.82 at 163.75, April feeder cattle up $1.82, 167.37. The cash-fed cattle trade was fairly light this week. We did see sales here in Texas and the Southern Plains at 135 on a live basis, but again, a light volume trade for the holiday week. Up north, however, we did see higher prices. Live sales reported from 136 to 140. Dressed prices ranged from 215 to 218. Boxed beef was higher Thursday. Choice up $1.21 at 26307. Select up 206 at 25289. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Gonna pour you a glass of iced tea and give you a report from Doug Bass, Cattleman's Brenham. Now remember, neighbor, he's got a special coming up on the 29th. Doug, talk to us about the regular sale. We ended up with 1114 head of cattle. Good, let's walk those pins. Center lower yielding cows bring 20 to 52. Better high yielding cows bring 55 to 79. Center lower yielding bulls bring 65 to 80. Better bulls bring 88 to 98. Pairs bring anywhere from 1,000 to 1,600. Red cows bring anywhere from 600 to 1,350. Two to three weight steers bring 135 to 207. Heifers bring 121 to 175. Three to four weight steers bring 130 to 190. Heifers bring buck and a quarter to 154. Four to five weight steers bring 125 to 184. Heifers bring 120 to 180. Five to six weight steers bring 120 to 167. Heifers bring 112 to 167. Five to six to seven weight steers bring 115 to 156. Heifers bring 110. 152 heifers bring 110 40 and 800 to 1,000 pound steers of bull yearners bring 90 to 122 and your heiferettes bring 75 to 
We have a special coming? On the 29th, we're going to have probably right at 950 head of cows and around 50 head of bulls. We've really got some really good sets of cows coming. I've got one man that's sending me 149 good ranch cows a man could want half and three-quarter blood all raised together with the Charlotte bulls. And another man sending me a really good set of Brangus cows, 50 of them the same way, all one raising, be heavy bred cows, bred Angus bulls. So you can really, you can get on that website and look, and if y'all got any questions, you can sure give me a call. We'll be starting there at noon on the 29th. It's cattlemansbrenhamlivestock.com, which is 979-877-4454, or call us there at the office, which is 979-836-3621. We appreciate it. Y'all have a happy holiday, and we'll talk to you when the sales get started again. That sounds good, Mr. Lay. We Appreciate everybody. Y'all have a Merry Christmas. Thank you, Doug. Neighbor Weir, Walking the Pins, a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. I'm Larry Marble. Good day. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now. We're lean hogs close slightly lower. February hogs down 12 at 83.22. April down a nickel, 86.65. Class 3 milk closed lower. December milk down 3 cents, 18.42 a hundredweight. January milk down 18 at 19.36 a hundred. The cotton market has been slowly climbing throughout the week after that big drop on Monday. We wrapped up the trading week higher. USDA reporting an OK export sales report Thursday morning. Net sales of 243,900 running bales. That's down 15% from the previous week and 21% from the prior four-week average. We close with March cotton up 29 points, 109.12. May cotton up 25 at 107.05. New crop December cotton up 72 points, 90.71 cents. The corn market now comfortably above $6 on the nearby contracts. Strong ethanol demand supporting the old crop contracts with March corn up three and a quarter, 605 and three quarters. May corn up three and a quarter, 607 and a quarter. New crop September up one and a half, 572 and a quarter. The wheat market closing mostly higher, especially on the hard red winter wheat contracts. Kansas City wheat getting a lot of support from strong demand and reports of an exceptionally strong basis. We saw reports last week of a basis of 360 over the board for 12% protein wheat. So that puts you at $12. That's a very strong market and that strong cash market pulling the futures market higher. March Kansas City wheat up seven and three quarters, eight sixty one and a half. New crop July up six to close at eight forty six and a half. Now the soft red wheat market isn't seeing that kind of strength. We close narrowly mixed with July Chicago wheat down a quarter penny. 805 and three quarters. In the energy markets on Thursday, January natural gas dropped 21 cents, 376. February crude oil up a dollar one, 73.77 a barrel. In the financial markets, the Dow up 269 points, 36,023. The Nasdaq up 146 at 15,668. The S&P up 37 points, 4,734. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state on the planet, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website, at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production 
of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. 